Hello, and welcome to episode 131 of the CogniCast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. This week, host Karen Meyer talks with Elise Howard. But before we get started, we do have a few announcements. Well, the fall conference season is getting an early start. This year's Closure Tree and Small FP Conference is happening in Tempere, Finland on September 1st and 2nd. So go on over to the delightfully retro page at closuretree.org slash 2017. That's C-L-O-J-U-T-R-E dot org slash 2017 for more information and apologies for the pronunciation. It's also getting on time for ClosureConj, which will be held October 12th through 14th in Baltimore, Maryland in the United States. And this one's a big one. Come join us to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Closure with Rich Hickey, Guy Steele, and all your Closure community friends. Head on over to 2017.closure-conj.org to buy tickets, sign up for training, become a sponsor, or support diversity in our community by donating to the Opportunity Grants. If you have a Closure-related event you'd like us to mention, please drop us a line at podcast at cognitech.com. Well, that's about it. So on the Karen and Elise and episode 131 of the Cognicast. August 9th, 2017, and this is the CogniCast. I'm Karen Meyer, and today it is my great pleasure to welcome Elise Howard <laughs> to the show. Um, so can you correct my pronunciation, Elise, please? <laughs> uh, you are if you want to be to be uh, specific about it, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Uh, uh, so the the name is it? What's the background of the name? Is it? It's uh, I, I guess it's Belgian, probably originally French. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. So, um, are you from Belgium or, or France or? Uh, yes, I'm. I'm Belgian. I was. I was born in Germany, but I'm. I'm technically Belgian. Yes. Ah, okay. They have the best chocolate. <laughs> mm, so they do, yes. And we would say we have the best beer, though. I think there's yeah. some contention about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have. Um, we're lucky enough. Um, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we we don't get you know a whole lot of um, you know international foods because we're. I mean, we're like a mid-sized city, but we're not like a huge uh, like like New York or or anything. But we do for some reason um, this Belgian family. Um, came here and, and opened this wonderful Belgian restaurant so we can go down there and get these really lovely waffles and these like frites and, and duck fat that are delicious <laughs> and uh, then there's this this beer and you can tell me if it's Belgian or not it, I think it's called Quok is that it yes it's definitely Belgian yes yeah yes. and it's got a funny glass like you can't it's like um, it's shaped almost like an hourglass and they have like a little special stand for it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I always enjoy that one. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a risky glass, I think. If you, you don't take care, you can just get a, a splash of beer in your face. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I'm a big fan of um, that sort of cuisine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I, I mentioned uh, we like to start off the show with um, an art question uh, by asking some experience of art that um, you relate to and that you'd like to share. It can be, you know, anything. It can be visual art, dance, just anything, anything that you... Yeah, so so I, I enjoyed quite, quite a lot of things, so I found it a really really difficult question but uh uh i guess um the late the latest experience that i really enjoyed was um watching a, a modern ballet um around virginia Woolf uh literature in london um uh how's it called sorry <laughs> I changed my mind last minute, so actually, <laughs> Wolf Works, that's it. And it was by, uh, so it was a contemporary dance, but in the Royal Opera House in uh, in London, which usually does classical. And it was it was really touching, I thought. It was it was also v- visually very striking. But like I say, I have like, you know, 10 examples. I like written words quite a lot, and I like, you know... Uh, art in all its forms so yeah so the the ballet I mean I have a dance background or the modern dance um so I I really enjoy that stuff too it was was it uh the subject matter that that appealed to you more or was it like the whole the dance or just combined uh so so both um I I have read a few Virginia Woolf books and I, I really liked the poetic language and, and the sort of flow of it. And I thought the ballet attempted to to render both something of, of, of her personality as well as, um, as you know, her works. And, uh, and, and I find, you know, contemporary ballet actually really much more interesting myself than, than classical because, uh, because it's very physical and, and people do, do things that, that basically... Or, or crazy gymnastics, but at the same time try to express something, which uh, which I find really really interesting. So. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting subject for a ballet, though an author, you know, like mm. a, a the written. It, it, I guess I, you know, thinking about dance, trying to express, you know, some of what she wrote about <laughs> in dance yeah. form. That would be an interesting translation. Definitely. The music was uh, composed for the ballet by Max Richter, who's also um, a quite a known composer, and he's done a number of movies, I think. So it was it was a, a, com- a combined effort of both uh, like this choreographer and this, you know, composer to to sort of render something of the of the spirit, which I thought worked quite well. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to see if they have any recordings of it or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. check it out. Yeah. So. Um... Programming. <laughs> so uh, you, you've been doing programming for quite a while now. Uh, I guess how, how did you, I always like to hear people's stories because not everybody's story is direct. You know, some no. people, some people take a winding path to kind of how they got into um, programming and some people's are, you know, just very direct, but I, I always like to hear, hear their paths. 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I sort of stumbled into it myself. Um, so so um, it was so I've I've, stu- I've studied materials engineering. So it was more about you know composites and and plastics and and metals and things like that. And really interesting in itself as well because um, a lot of physics and chemistry stuff that I can still use in the kitchen basically. But uh, but um, um, after after I studied that, I realized that the the straight path for that kind of studies is to uh, to go uh, to go into production. Basically, either you take the academic path and you do a PhD on something very specific, and then you try to to get tenure at some point, I guess, or you you go and you 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 are the, a person with a hard hat in a in a like a steel foundry situation and um i didn't really see myself doing that um uh for for various reasons and so um i started looking around and uh, i'd enjoyed the code bits in my studies quite a bit so i'm, I'm not someone who coded age six or whatever i was I'm, I'm really someone who stumbled into it by accident and then um and then uh figured out i was quite good at it and so I started first in a consultancy company who worked for banks, which is not the most exciting sort of situation. But um, at the same time, it, it was it was quite instructive because immediately uh, you had things you potentially might not have had in, I don't know, web consultancies, like version control, really mm. strict release management and you know, like basically all the quality steps you have, uh, we, we, we now take for granted and they were, they were already there. And so I, I worked, I, I, uh, I took that job, uh, incidentally because, because it's, it offered, uh, exciting foreign opportunities, which in my end, in my case turned out to be, uh, a job in Glasgow, <laughs> Scotland. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I spent some years in Glasgow, and and that was that was actually also an interesting uh, experience. And after that, um, eventually, I, I left the company. I did a degree in AI, uh, or or after a master in AI, rather, uh, which was uh, w- taking one year out, because Belgium has this fantastic system where you can take a career break and you you get some some sort of, uh, I would say a little bit of money every month uh, while you do that career break and and if you have a job they can't fire you either that so is fantastic <laughs> yes. no. i am so jealous <laughs> yeah i don't know if they still do it but uh but yeah so i, I took oppor- i took that opportunity and did did that masters in ai and then i went and looked for another job and uh did some more security oriented work um, for um, a, um, a sort of governmental organization in Belgium and then uh, and then I went freelance after that um, and met some nice people and ended up um, after some years of freelancing I met uh, my husband. A Joe who uh, who lives in who's a, who's who's British and so uh, I decided to move to London, which also has a very exciting tech scene. So it all worked out very well, and um, 
and there I took a job um, um, I guess more web applications uh, and they were using quite a lot of closure inc- incidentally um, and but also Ruby I, I, I'd come in for my skills in Ruby but uh, started to get to know closure there and uh, this is getting like a long story, isn't it? That's, that's no, what we that's get. great. I, 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 love the, I love the winding roads. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So the, the problem is the older your, your interviewer, your interviewees, the longer the story <laughs> can get. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, that, that was nice. I, I spent two years there. And then... Um, Joe found a job in in uh, Berlin for SoundCloud, and so we decided to move to Berlin because we quite liked Berlin. It was quite exciting and everything. It was definitely a, a vibe there. Uh, so so we moved, and also I was having a baby, uh, my daughter. Um, so I had my daughter in Germany, which was an interesting experience because everything in Germany involves a lot of paperwork, especially if you're foreign. So I don't know if it was the best move ever to move, uh, <laughs> you know, before a big life event, but there you go. At least she had a, she had nice German, German hospitals and everything. And then, um, and then after I, after that, I, I, I slowly picked up work again uh, as a freelancer to have some flexibility and uh, I decided to to do Haskell, so I did uh, I did Haskell. Um, I, well, I taught myself Haskell, I guess. And wow, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, there are some mm. some nice books for that, fortunately. And um, and also decided to because you know why do things by half? Write a book about uh, making a game in Haskell. That's uh, awesome. So. Yeah, that that was that was that was interesting, and um, and at the same time I got some consulting work as well in Haskell, so so it was yeah it was was nice like I had a reasonable amount of flexibility while while still doing something really interesting, and um, and so I published my book and uh, I was. Was, was nice for a while but the problem is the ecosystem moves on and life is very busy so that that's why I removed it from sale eventually to be able to go back and you know put it up to date and edit things properly but uh, but obviously need to find time to do that but um, yeah so after our years in Berlin uh, we decided to move back to the UK Um um, is that where also, you are right now? Are you yes, in the UK? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. I'm 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 in in Bath near Bristol in the, in the UK. Okay. And um and yeah, there I found a a job with Mastodon C. I've I've I'd already freelanced with them for a little bit, so they knew me mm-hmm. a bit and so um and so I started with them and uh, have been there for the last about 2 years, I guess. A bit more than two years, maybe. Okay, so um, you you did a talk recently at um, Euroclosure. Was this about this had to do with the work that you're doing at Mastodon C? Yes, okay. yes, yes, very much so. Um, so so uh, Mastodon C is, is very much a closure uh, closure company. Um, I think 
Bruce has has, has been a pillar of the London closure closureians for like ages, and um, and and. And, and also it gives us a common language for everything. Now we have closure script for the front end and closure mm-hmm. for the back end, etc. That, that that really works well. And even some uh, now now there's closure script for um, on on Node. Uh, we're even thinking of using that for for some sysadmin stuff. So closure everywhere. <laughs> um, except though we're a data consultancy, and so we have quite a bit of. Uh, we have a few more uh, data analysis projects and data mm-hmm. exploration projects, and the problem there is that uh, the closure ecosystem is is not quite there compared to uh, say Python or R. So um, most of us, like some of my a number of my data science colleagues, are uh, from an academic backgrounds, um, and so we've been using R for at least the data, data exploration bit. Once you have to productionize it, you, you have to sort of figure out how to um, translate it all to, to closure, possibly. But the, the, the exploration bit is, is in R. And, um, and, and yeah, we thought that was actually quite frustrating. And so we started digging into the ecosystem and see, see what's out there. And... Uh, we sort of discovered that there there'd been this this really this golden age slightly around 2012 2013, which had sort of petered out after, and um, like for instance, Encounter mm. being the great mm-hmm. example with with having a lot of really good stuff, but not having seen a lot of. Uh, I, I think the 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 maintainer uh, probably moved on to do to do other things. So. So yeah, um, so we we started cobbling together what, what we could, um, and my, my colleague Henry Garner is is had had already been been doing quite a lot of effort. He wrote a, a book also closure uh, closure data science, I think. Yeah, closure. I actually have that one sitting at my desk. It's a good yes. book. It's it's an excellent book, and um, and and so he he'd he'd already he basically had used Encounter for most of that book, but I think had come to the same conclusion um, that Encounter was was not necessarily, you know, going forward the best thing to use. And he'd started a library called Kixi Stats, which is more centered around transducers, uh, which is great when you have uh, medium mediumish data sets and you want things to be to be reasonably fast. And with Kixi Stats you can do a lot of um, a lot of sort of common uh, stats like you know means, standard deviation, correlations, um, you know a lot of stuff, sampling, distributions, uh, things like that. So so he, he already actually made a huge contribution. Uh, then we you know we 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 were using Gorilla Rappel quite a lot, ah, but that yeah. that needs a bit of love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's it's quite up to date in terms of closure, um, and 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 also visualizations like um, there it's it has some basic visualizations, but uh, if you're not using Encounter, it's it's not great. And so so things like that, we have like a, a list of stories around that of of things we we'd like to to add, and and there's discussions going on around it, which is which is actually really interesting as well. 
because you, you you sort of work on real projects and, and advance through it and then you're suddenly like but we need this and it's not there what do we do so and then kixie sets that's that's open source right yes it is yeah so you're you're actively helping the closure community <laughs> yes hopefully, hopefully. yeah so that's wonderful that's wonderful yeah. so we can all benefit from this so yeah yeah i think that that's 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 good uh, good luck in there that uh Mastodon C is, is is quite uh, open source focused, so so most projects they're 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 quite happy to just uh, publish. So that's nice. Yeah, that's great. So uh, the the whole I guess the data science um, that work that you're you're doing now and um, delving into was that new to you uh, in in this job or had you had experience with it before? Um, so some. Some, uh, but not a huge lot. So, I've, like I said, I've done that master in AI, which which had some machine learning bits, and then, uh, you know, I've done some Coursera courses, uh, like like probably everyone else who's vaguely interested with, uh, you know, about machine learning and mm-hmm. and data processing and you know Stanford and John Hopkins stuff. But, um, but yeah, no, no, not a lot of practical experience. So, so. It's definitely a, a double learning curve. Um, I think the reason I was put in charge of, or more or less in charge of, the modeling side of things um, at Mastodon C is, is more my engineering experience than than that. So, like I said, I have have some 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 smart colleagues who who, who are more academics. So, it's it's bringing bringing our, our skills together that way. So I, I'm I'm intrigued by this because I'm. I'm very interested in the area myself. So what what sort of, if you could talk about like maybe an example of like a real world problem that you solved? I mean, I don't know if you can like make it big enough. <laughs> yeah. no. no, well, it's, 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 it's not, it's not too vague. So, um, okay. so, so we, we're, you know, like uh, our, our current, our focus is a, is a, is a, um, is a product to help cities with their analytics. Uh, more specifically, at the moment, uh, UK local authorities, um, and and they 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 um, you know they have a certain specific set of problems um, around budgeting. Some things like, for instance, uh, special needs educations uh, for for people with learning disabilities or. Adult social care, so obviously aging population, and um, how to manage the, the more publicly funded side of uh, of, of, of adult social care, uh, which which is which is a, a big a big cost, um, and um, or uh, projecting employment uh, things like that. So so um, very concrete situations that are not necessarily. Um, uh, so you, you use statistics. You use statistics. Uh, you don't use like you know, deep learning or mm-hmm. you know really hip machine learning techniques. But uh, you do you do use quite a bit of um, um, data processing and forecasting techniques. Um, so um, uh, yeah. So so the data exploration would be that that's that's obviously like. Just uh, checking common statistics, like uh, like I said, uh, distributions and um, 
uh, correlations um, and uh, and graphing quite a lot and seeing if you see patterns yourself and um, and then when when you when you start to see see patterns then it's like regressions you know mm. whether logistics or linear or or other uh, or arima is a technique for for um, for forecasting time series which is super general uh things like that um and we, we also have um so, so so that those are the things we we use the most to be honest um, with, with like confidence intervals and things like that, but um, yeah, we also have other projects with our which are using more text mining, uh, and there there it's you know latent Dirichlet allocation. Okay. Um, what, what was that again? <laughs> uh, sorry, LDA, latent Dirichlet allocation. So it's more okay. top, topic uh, analysis. So basically classifying documents. Um, classic, or rather, finding topics in documents. Ah, okay. So things like that, and um, oh, uh, so so we have a few. Yeah, that I think I think that that's definitely an interest. I hope I'll get around to a project with that with natural language processing because I, I find those really super interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, we have a variety, like. And, 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 and the interesting thing, I think, especially in terms of developing closure tools, is when you can cross-pollinate those projects and use techniques you've used on one, on the other, and then you can start to say, well, this seems to be a tool that is really useful and we should really invest the time to make it you know, a proper library and, uh, and put it out there sort of thing. Yeah, so some of the data sets I bet you work with are like really large, like... So what what do you use to deal with like stuff that won't fit in memory? Yes, so um, uh, I guess uh, interestingly, the the city size data so far has not been big data that that I've gone in contact with. It's been more Excel sized data. Oh, okay. But uh, we have some projects with uh, big data, uh, like you know t- terabytes a day, and for that we use uh, Spark. Mm, yeah Uh, but i have not personally worked on those so couldn't really give you a lot of details so so being in this area and i guess you were talking about it at um euro closure too um you know the tooling around um data science and 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 closure and just generally your experience with doing data science with closure I guess what what were the 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 highlights of the good de- dealing with it, and also the highlights of the of the things that we we need to improve. Uh, so uh, I think the highlights of the good is definitely um, I, th- I think um, closure is naturally a good fit for for um, for for uh, such for you know working with data. Obviously, it's, it's like the data structures are just made for for this kind of thing, I think. Uh, um, and 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 map and filter and etc. That's you know, basically with with those simple tools and and transducers, you can get really really quite far, um, which 
which which makes me feel that it's it's a very good fit um, uh, for um, the mm, uh, the bad I guess uh, again I think I think while it's naturally a good fit it's not been used like for that massively and so uh, yeah like I said the the ecosystem is is nowhere near what it could be um, like compared to R and Python, uh, for instance. Um, and another thing as well that I stumbled on is personally, so other people may have another experiences. Um, so I, I try to to um, to at least. Uh, follow the spirit of Encounter uh, to start with, uh, which is um, to use a closure core uh, matrix data sets, uh, which, which in the, the later sort of uh, release of Encounter is centered around. And um, so that's that's part of uh, core.matrix. Mm. And, um, and I, I found it a slightly painful experience uh, so core, I think core dot matrix, matrix is the best thing you can find in terms of working with matrices. But a data set is like a separate thing, mm. and um, and I, I didn't. It's like um, a type uh, with lots of lots of different interfaces, and I I found it really not very congenial to to do anything with. I, I tried to develop a number of tools around it. So so there's this 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 library in in R called Dplyr. Mm -hmm. uh, which is which is basically bringing functional programming to R, uh, oh, okay. and it it makes life a lot easier and and nicer. And it has a it has like you know what you would expect left join, inner join, etc. Mutate to change uh, one 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 fields. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of handy little tools. And I was like, well, let's try if we can make a deep layer for. Uh, data sets and uh, it turned out to be uh, a pretty painful experience compared to just using um, you know lists of, of maps basically lists mm -hmm. of vectors of maps mm -hmm. and, and so in the end like our latest projects have all been uh, been going on with a list of maps and what is interesting is that when I was researching my talk I found obviously a lot by uh, uh, Simon Bellack Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and and because he's he's already also been 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 busy in that space quite a bit, and uh, and and I think he'd he'd gotten to the same conclusions, uh, so he he ended up rolling out a, a library uh, that also uh, uses transducers and um, and and list of list of maps uh, because because in the end it's just so much easier to to even you know to to even start working so yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it seems like, you know, there's always this kind of gravity back to the core data structures, right? <laughs> yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. If you, when you have to start to, you know, to use Java, Java methods to, to extract columns and then do something with them oh, and then put them yeah. back in the data sets again, it's like, uh, I'm not sure, not sure this is really working. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. gosh. So uh, do you ever, just curious, do you ever use any... Um, I've done like a little bit with like this Weka. I don't know that that's got kind of 
kind of statistics or, or do you use any other libraries to do or you just used R for the data exploration or? Uh, so yeah, we we're using R for data exploration mm -hmm. and, and we're actually, uh, it's almost a certain certainty that we're going to uh, try to make some nice wrappers to use some R, R oh, code from Clojure. Nice, nice. Because, because it's one way to bridge, bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. But we, we do we do have um, we have um, used um, Mallet, which is a, a Java library that um, that actually I think it might use it might be linked to Weka somehow. Um, my co again my colleague um, uh, Henry has made. Uh, open source a library called uh, Kixi Mallet, which is oh. basically nice wrappers around mallets, and that's we've used that quite a bit for um, again topic analysis or, or, mm -hmm. or text classifications. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go back to your your masters in artificial intelligence because that's okay. really really cool. <laughs> 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 and I I think that I, well I. I think that would kind of give you an insight into when you're looking around at all the the changes like in the in in the world does that does that make you more excited about what's going on or like a little bit afraid of stuff because I know a lot of people you know have a lot of opinions on on this area. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's it's yeah, so it's definitely exciting in in one way it's it's I think it's it's a lot of things sort of coming together like you know neural networks have been basically going in and out of fashion for for like 40 years uh, but now now they're really coming into their own with with you know having decent processing power and and you know machines that basically can can carry it off and gpus and uh but um but yeah you, you definitely you definitely start start hearing about the stories where 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 it went went really wrong like um uh there was there was I, I listened to this talk by um by this young woman um i think that she started something cool called the ai justice league or something hmm. uh, so basically she was uh, at the mit media lab i'm trying to find her name and uh she um and she realized that basically the facial recognition algorithms couldn't make sense of her face. She, she was she was black. She was black, and and clearly the facial recognition algorithms hadn't been trained with black faces. Mm. And so that was extremely frustrating to her. And she she started, um, I think it's AI Justice League. Um, do I have to? I, I would have to come back to you on that. No, sure. Well, we'll get the link after the show. Yes, and uh, and uh, and so you have stories like that, and also I read this this great book recently, which I think it's it's fairly recent, called uh, "Weapons of Mass Destruction." Math. M A T H. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, using math for for great mm -hmm. evil, basically, um, and and she goes into these lots of really appalling real life examples of where people have have used data science. And AI uh, to 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 basically um, and and cause loss of suffering doing so, mm. um, which which I found really interesting because 
we're, we're getting into a society, as, as, as she says quite a lot, obviously, is, uh, we're getting into a society where a lot of aspects are automated. And so it gets really important to get some transparency of what's going on there like with artificial neural neural networks for instance that's that's obviously not not trivial but but people do need insights and in why you know why why a decision is made about them and and, and at, at the moment that's that's not the case you just have to accept what the, what the system is is serving you yeah i've heard that criticism before as, as calling it kind of a black box exactly yeah, like like, and, and the problem is is even that the people who use the algorithm often haven't haven't even haven't even uh, made it or conceived it of it themselves. So so they just use it and take it as 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 you know the word of God or whatever, and don't don't question it. So um, so yeah, we we definitely need need a, a push there to. To, to demystify it and and also to 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 give some defense to people against it when it's like like you know there were examples of of um, of people uh, of people getting rejected for jobs or uh, getting a you know house a house a mortgage application rejected because somehow their name was the same as as someone someone else who had a criminal record mm-hmm. so 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 things like that and those and in general, some a lot of programs also tend to be trained in such a way that they favor people who are well off and 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 uh, yeah and and cause harm to people who who are who are not who are from poor neighborhoods or or you know racial discrimination and things like that. So so I think it's really important, and I think all professions should know about it. Like we should we should be very aware of this when we design models. We should uh, always communicate our assumptions. We should also give a good think of uh, the ethical side of things when we can. Obviously, it's not not always easy, but but when we can, to to I think I think it, it, it would it, it would it would be a good habit if we if we at least included some some reflection on that side of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I, I think there are like the privacy issues too, right? That we can yes. that that are kind of big right now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> with, yeah. with great power comes great responsibility. Indeed, yes. Yeah. And the computer is not always right. It's also another <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was watching um, some talks from, I can't remember what it was now, but it seems like artists are helping um, us kind of explore uh this space of data science and machine learning and and kind of showing showing us what it can do there was one one woman in particular i think she she collected gum off of off of chairs and you know public spaces in new york and then they extracted the dna and then made projected computer models of what the person looked like that it chewed the gum wow <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> and scary, but amazing. Yes. <laughs> well, that will teach you to put your gum under chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we leave, we leave our digital footprints around, um, you know, everywhere too. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Using Facebook becomes a scary proposition, and 
yeah, definitely. Definitely, it's uh, it's it's an interesting world. Definitely. So, uh, what what are you uh, kind of turning to make make it a little bit more positive? What what are you like more uh, more excited about though? That of uh, the what power it could do for good. We can definitely sort so we can so there there's 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 nice initiative like uh, initiatives like um, uh, data kinds where people try to use data for goods. Then uh, you know there's. Think the, the the business we're in, which is basically helping cities make decisions, but that could also lead to, uh, I guess, I'm I'm hoping uh, there is more transparency there as well. So if if things are more transparent to them, then maybe they can make better decisions, and that that can lead to the to a better outcome for for all involved. I'm also very excited by the fact that. Um, a lot of a lot of governments um, open source their data, uh, and, and and I would hope um, companies would would also do the same because I think the best defense against things going wrong is obviously having having yourself access to the data and mm-hmm. being able to um, to make your own models basically um, citizen driven uh, modeling I think is a it's definitely something where it could be exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And 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 yes and and, and so so it, it, it's 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 sort of an interesting situation in the sense that it might replace a lot of jobs, <laughs> possibly including ours eventually. I think about that sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think somebody tweeted the other day. I can't remember who it was. It was that um, gradient can, gradient descent can can make better code than you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're safe as long as gradient descent can also incorporate uh, listening to 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 people. So. I think we should we should be fine for a while, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Siri, Siri, and 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 whatever Google and Amazon are up to might might eventually even work on that. So, yeah, 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 that that's very true. I find that um, at least um, my kids are much more comfortable with talking to computers than than I am. I you know I don't want to talk to Siri. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> type stuff in. But uh, they, they they talk to Siri all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I was quite. La- I was laughing. My 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 daughter was uh, was calling stu- Siri stupid robot, which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was uh, trying to get it to play play frozen songs, which wasn't very successful. Oh. Yeah. So you um. Missing me if I'm wrong, but you came to closure from another functional language, right? That was Haskell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's they're two very different languages. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the least and and yeah, and there's always it seems like there's this um, I guess polarization between the types, the type languages, and the non the non type languages, mm. and I was just wondering how you felt like transitioning between um, a type language and then into closure <laughs> yeah yeah 
I'm not I'm not very religious about it. I think it, it they have different strengths. Uh, I like I like the fact that your errors get um, held up much much faster with Haskell, for instance. Um, if you if you if you encode your 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 uh, you can encode your logic uh, um, a lot in the types, and when when you when you've done that, um, your your compiler will basically catch a lot of stuff, which is really nice. However, uh, I guess closures sometimes can feel more flexible. I, th- I think I think it's good to bring a bit of the spirit of Haskell into Clojure, as in I, I don't approve of of of, uh, of say functions that return many different types, but but I I, I, f- I feel there's a fluency in Clojure, which is also very nice. So it, it, in in Haskell, if you if you have a it, it it's very good because it helps you, um, it it really forces you to realize that there's a side effect there. So if you um, so if you have one, you know you have to declare it in the signature. You have to handle the monads uh, in your code. So it, it's, I mean, you cannot you cannot be unaware of it. So that that's very nice. However, it can also give you a certain amount of overheads for anything you want to do. And so that way, closure is easier, I guess. So so I think it, it's actually I would recommend doing both to everyone because it's good to um, take some principles from Haskell enclosure without necessarily sort of, you know, taking it to its extreme. Yeah, that's very, very interesting, um, especially about the not returning many things and um, doing total sense. I was curious, do you, um, have you used spec at all? Does that, does that help? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I think I think it's uh, I think it's great. Uh, actually, for data science, it it, it 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 can probably be a great tool as well. Um, I, th- I, th- I think um, like the first step of any any sort of data analysis is uh, validation and cleaning of the data, and spec can can definitely play a role there. Uh, at least for not too large size data. Um, but uh, and 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 yeah, it can, it can be used for for at least the, at a development time checking a number of things. So uh, so it, it won't it won't it won't be. Uh, I think obviously since it has a this this performance hit, uh, you'll probably just limit it to to tests and development and generative testing, which is great, um, as you know. But mm. uh, uh, but but yeah, it's 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 definitely a good move, I think, for sure. Yeah, I I I, I enjoy spec. So, um, but I was curious, especially coming from, um, you know, a type language of other people, even appreciate it more <laughs> than I do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I don't know. Like, um, so I I have some have some friends. Who 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 are you know diehard Haskellistas and they they break out in cold sweat when they they are not absolutely hundred percent sure of the type of a certain value, but uh, but I, I don't I don't think I, I got that far. I think you probably need more than a couple of years of Haskell to to get to that point. 
So uh, that that leads me. Uh, I wanted to kind of touch on the because um, I think it's really neat too. The the book that you were writing about um, uh, is it finished or is it still being written? Oh uh, no! So it was it was more or less finished. Okay. And I did I did um, I did um, what's it called um, uh, self publish it on Leanpub. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I've I've um, so, so I sold it for a bit, and then I realized that, uh, you know, the ecosystem had moved on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's now this approved set of libraries, and I think mm-hmm. definitely one one substantial library I'm using in the games is not in the approved set of libraries in Haskell. Uh, it, it's called Stackage. It, it, it's like um, I think they they checked a number of libraries that were uh, to be solid, and uh, and I think. Since games is is is, is not a, a huge thing in Haskell, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's like it's like other tools. They they, they they get maintenance and then they don't, and and so and so I think it, it would it would take some overhead to go back and see if, see what what approved libraries I could use and you know rewrite the code and rewrite the text and things like that, which which I, I would have to basically find time for. So well, it's not not really there, fortunately. So what kind so of game not... was it, though? That that's. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a fairly simple game. It was um, it was a a little uh, a little alien dude who um, he basically wandered around on a on a on a map and uh, and he, and there was a monster who was trying to chase him, and. Um, I don't even remember 100% how it went. There was there, there was everything. There was levels. There was scores. Uh, but I, I don't I don't 100% remember what the game was about. It's terrible. Isn't it? <laughs> so was that the your your first experience making a game, or had you made games before? Uh, no, it was actually my first experience making a game as well. Oh, so that, that was interesting as well because it, it's it was everything. So it, when you when so, so a sane person when they they start making a game for the first time they use something like unity or you know re- unreal engine or whatever and they buy assets you know they buy they mm-hmm. buy uh, they buy you know drawings and, and and moving moving pictures and animations and god knows what else and i i did everything everything myself wow which is like drawing things with a little you know a wacom tablets and uh, and and getting like getting cheesy samples of the internet for the sound and you know, it was it was a lot of fun, and I think it was a great learning experience. And I think it, it I think it has potential as a learning experience for anyone interested in it. But but if you want to make a real game, you probably don't want to go that route. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, though. So. It was. It was. Yeah. Very cool. So I was also kind of um, hoping because. Uh, I like um, sci-fi, and I kind of saw on your profile that that mm. you like sci-fi too. A lot. <laughs> and I I'm always looking for recommendations. Um, so, do you have any like good books or series or or, or anything that you're interested in that you can share? Uh, yes, yeah. One um, uh, I read recently, which was really good, is called Children of Time. Oh, I'm gonna write that down. Okay. We'll put a link to uh, it in the in the show too. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 really pretty good by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, um, 
I quite I quite enjoy for uh, more for the comedic aspects uh, the laundry files. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, there's definitely a, a lot of possibles there of uh, of of good books. And yes, uh, the, the the expanse the expanse TV show is great. Oh yes, I can second that. It <laughs> <laughs> is good. Did you read the books too? Yeah, I read all the books, and the books are, yeah. are also a really good reads. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're doing a good job with that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um, yeah, so the other thing I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on, because I saw you liked it too, and I do, um, but board games. So d- do you have any recommendations of board games that you like? Uh, so... I think uh, the last one that I quite liked was um, House on the Hill. Um, house on the House on the Hill, Haunted House on the Hill uh, board game. I'll have to get a link to that too. Uh, yeah, Betrayal at House on the Hill. There it is. What sort of game is that? That is. Um, that is a bit like it's a bit it's it's a bit Dungeons and Dragony in a way. Um, you have um, uh, so you're you're you get several characters who wander around the house and uh, sort of randomly generate the house as they go, and then at some point in the game, uh, one of the players uh, turns into a monster, <laughs> um, and then they get their own scenario and they have to. Um, to basically, I guess, um, yeah, whatever their their goal is, and then the other people have to destroy the monster one way or the other, and and, and it's, it's it's a quite quite a nice horror game. You have to put like horror music in the background and dim the <laughs> nice. lights and everything. So so yeah, that that was fun. So is and, it just random who turns into the monster? Anyone can turn into the monster. Yes, yes, yes. It's totally random. And and that, that's quite nice as well, but um, yeah, that's that's possibly the one thing that would be um, a downside for this game. I quite like the game that rely a lot on on skill and strategy, and there's a lot of chance in that game. But it was still a lot of fun. So. That sounds awesome. What about the um, games of skill and strategy? Do you have any of those kind that you recommend? So actually, um, it'll sound cheesy, but Game Game of Thrones has a board game. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Which is uh, which is good. So, so yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. Would like to play it more. So my problem is that I'm part of a, uh, I, I go to a, a board game meetup on a regular basis. So, the problem there is that you get to play really nice game only once, <laughs> which is like you get to understand the strategy and then you have to to go home. So, uh, so that that's a little bit frustrating, but at least you you get to know. Uh, to know some games that sounds awesome <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, yeah well we've we've covered a lot of um ground in our talk did it did i did i miss anything that you that you wanted to talk about or um i did you know floor's open no i can't can't say that i can't think of anything um yes uh maybe uh um how 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 things with your robots are? Are you still doing anything with that? <laughs> well, um, my robots have been quiet a little bit, so I've been, I've been, as you can kind of tell, um, I'm, I'm in the the data science room with you on the Closurians. Um, yeah. But, 
but uh, I've been trying to, I guess, kind of work on the brain side of the robots <laughs> so I can make them smarter. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be with closure. So we'll see maybe with Kixie stacks that can, that can help me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I've, I've seen you've talked to the, the person, the, the, uh, one of the people who worked on Cortex. So I can imagine that would be a good... Uh... Yeah, there, there were actually there were actually a really a, a number of interesting AI talks in in the Euroclosure, uh, so so that that would be there was there was at least one that did a, a self driving, that was talking about uh, using closure for a self driving car. So nice. So that, that might be relevant to your interests. It wasn't with Cortex, but it might be interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yes, I'm I'm very um, pleased. It seems like the um, there's a lot of interest. In um, AI and data science and the closure community generally, and we're just mm. seeing, I, I think it's bringing a lot of energy and a lot of kind of renaissance. <laughs> well, we're not that old, yeah. but you know, but it's still it's bringing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Definitely. Yeah. And and your book as well. You did a book for for young people, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, that that had a, a little a little made up robot in there. So maybe maybe one day that'll become a real robot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Nice project. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, um, I guess at the the end of the show, we usually like to ask all our guests for um, a piece of advice. So mm. if uh, you have anything that you'd like to share, I guess, for new old developers, anyone? <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess, my main advice is look for uh, a working a working environment that is um, that you feel good in, that is non toxic. Is is definitely the the advice I would give. Is um, I'm I'm really I'm really happy with my current job and and the and the atmosphere, and uh, and and so I. I you know, I would say it, it's it's out there. You know, look for look for nice groups of people. It can be a part of a company or whatever. But I, th- I think working with nice people is basically one of the most important things. I totally agree. <laughs> it makes all the difference. It really does. Yes. Yes. So, what in in this environment? Um, I was wondering if you can point to just a couple traits that are that you feel are are pretty important to make it a happy environment. Like what what what's emphasized? I guess. Yes. Yeah. So so definitely empathy. Um, the the ability to to um, to to listen. Uh, you know, when when someone says says to you. Um, well, this this sort of bothered me. Uh, then you know the ability to listen and the ability also to say it yourself when when that happens and um, general transparency and and goodwill basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So transparency in data and transparency and goodwill yeah. <laughs> in people too. That's a good. Yes. That's a good thing. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, for being on the show and I've really enjoyed talking with you and I, I hope we can like meet up in real life sometime too or pass across so <laughs> definitely I hope so and uh, we'll have to keep up with you and maybe have you on uh, again and, and see what's happening in the in the data science world as you as you move on in it <laughs> yeah yeah I would be happy to I really enjoyed the chat as well yeah well, thanks again 
Thank you. This has been the Cognicast. You have been listening to the Cognacast. The Cognacast is brought to you by Cognitech. We are a team of thoughtful, experienced technologists. Our passion is helping organizations from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50 deploy technology effectively and humanely. We are here to help you build better futures. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at, at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. Our guest this week was Elise Howard. You can find Elise's work on GitHub where her user ID is Elise Howard. That's E-L-I-S-E. H-U-A-R-D. Our host this week was Karen Meyer, who is at Gigasquid on Twitter. That's at G-I-G-A-S-Q-U-I-D. Think 8 billion arms on Twitter and GitHub. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production is by Russ Olson, Joe Smith, and Jarrett Binford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>